Hello and welcome to FE Voices, the series which explores key issues around racial justice within our society from the perspective of those who aren't always heard, brought to you by Milton Keynes College Group. My name is Arv Kaushal and I'm your host for today's episode. Today I'm joined by Shalom Lloyd. I'm not going to introduce her because Shalom's going to introduce herself. There's so much to <laughs> bring to the table. <laughs> so much to bring to the table. I'm not even going to attempt it. So over to you, Shalom. Hi, I'm lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Shalom Lloyd. I am, first of all, a mother, a wife, a scientist and an entrepreneur. Um, I am the proud founder of two amazing Milton King's businesses. I think a lot of people know me for, at least locally, for naturally tribal skincare. Um, but I think I'll flip it a little bit and start with EMQT. I founded a company called Emerging Market Quality Trials, which um, is really focused on getting pharmaceutical companies to run clinical research and clinical trials in Africa. Um, that I'm really passionate about. I've spent the last 26 years in the pharmaceutical industry. That's home for me, mostly in drug development. And of course, um, a spin-off of another side of me is after my IVF cycles, four cycles. Um, my son had eczema after he was born, one of my twins. And I wanted to find a natural remedy for him, which triggered my other company, Naturally Tribal Skincare. So that is me in a nutshell, really. So, um, so we're obviously here today, um, and this the series of FE Voices is focusing on racial justice. And I think you've you've had, to put it mildly, a very interesting journey to the point that I have you here today. Um, and f- from your point of view, um, I mean, how how would you describe racial justice? Wow, that's an interesting question. How would I describe racial justice? I think let's again, I like to flip things. Let's flip it a little bit. Let's talk about the word justice, what that means. Justice to me equals fairness. It's as simple as that. And then we have the racial angle. So sort of racial justice for me is just being, regardless of your background, your skin color, your race, it's really that fairness across the board. Um, there is, and I like to keep things normally simple. I, 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 um, I live by that rule, do unto others what you like done unto you. So others is everyone, regardless of who they are, what age they are, their background, their skin color, their, whatever it is, is that fairness for all. And I don't like the word equality normally, but I'll use it here and say is equality and fairness for all, regardless of what your race is. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add a little bit, just, just to probe a little bit more into that. You, you've worked and travelled in many countries and lived in many countries as well. Um, that that notion of fairness um, is it the same everywhere that you've been? In terms of what it means. <laughs> of course not. Of course it isn't. I think about, I was born in Nigeria and I was born in a country where everybody around me looked like me, spoke the same language as me. So um, racial justice wasn't something that you would actually talk about, which is, you know, fair enough. Justice, yes, but not racial justice. And at the age of 16, I found myself on a plane heading to the former Soviet Union in the 80s. Now I'm showing my age. Um, And 
I, I landed in Moskva, in Moscow, as a 16-year-old in this country, not knowing anyone and not speaking the language, Russian language. And I've never felt so black in my life because I stood at sore thumb. So, yes, the experience I had there, I can say, built that foundation for me in terms of me being aware of racial justice, being treated differently because you look different, probably because you speak differently, but mainly because of how you look. And living there for six years of my life, it gave me that grounding. And it made me realize that it's really awareness. People fear what they don't know. People fear what they're really uncomfortable with. Um, so it had to be sort of an understanding from my part, not only in the education, but I'm not educating you. Go and find out for yourself and ask me. Feel free to ask me anything, but I'm not going to educate you. And then coming back to the UK in the uh, mid-90s and coming to this whole cosmopolitan, multiracial community, but there was also that element. But what happened was being in the former Soviet Union armed me and prepared me really well for settling here in the UK. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Um, and and I, think, um, I think there's an overall umbrella, um, I suppose, shared understanding um, that people may have around what racial justice is, no matter where you are. But I think as soon as you start drilling down into um, how does that actually work, on the ground, so your experience when you're in Moscow compared to how your experience would perhaps be in Milton Keynes. I suppose the actions and the inactions may be different um, depending on where you are. Um, uh, so I just wanted to sort of like just really take you forward into, um, as a businesswoman, as uh, a really influential person within a, a, a range of sectors, to be fair, um, uh, and obviously you have a platform um, that you that you have because of all the work that you've done, the credibility around your work. Um, what do you see as, in that journey that you've had, what have you seen um, as the priorities that should be um, shared with our listeners in terms of to embed that racial justice piece on the ground? It's really accountability, is drilling it down to the individual level. Um, we have to, as individuals, as people, as a community, as parents, as educators, as business people, actually be accountable for our own individual actions. And what I mean by that really is, let's take it down to basics. As a parent, it is down to me as a mother to be able to support my children. I come from a, what I call a, a mixed family. I'm a black woman, my husband is a white man, our children are mixed race. Now, where do my children belong? That's a difficult subject people don't normally talk about. Do they belong with the race that their mother's from or their dad? Or are they a completely different race? These are conversations that we actually have freely at home. What do you identify as? And then what does the society or the community see you as? Um, I've had my children come back from school, you know, kind of saying I've been called this and I've been called that. And it's interesting how it's down to me as a parent to actually help them build that foundation. So we have to drill it down to the individual level. 
there's so many conversations about racial justice, about um, equality, diversity, and inclusion, etc., etc. But I think these conversations are great. But I am thinking we actually, as individuals, have to educate. Everything you want to know in this day and age is not fingertips. Mm -hmm. Find out. Ask. Um, and, and it goes both ways, you know, because we could be throwing out there saying, oh, as, as black people, for example, you know, we're hard done by, etc. We've gone through a lot. But also, you know, in the black community internally, we also have our challenges. What you throw out there might be what you receive. So I think it's a two-way street, it's a dual carriage way, but it's down to individuals themselves to educate themselves. From a business perspective, if I take my skincare company, Naturally Tribal Skincare, I heard so much. I mean, I'm still new to the beauty industry. And you hear a lot about there aren't specific products for black skin, etc. I don't do makeup. I do skincare products. And for me, skin is skin. Do you have a dermis, epidermis, hypodermis? Yes, skin is skin. So for me, it was very important to develop products that were in themselves diverse. What I mean by that is, regardless of your race, your skin color, regardless of your age, regardless of your disability, your sexual orientation, my products are for you. For me, that's how I bring that in into what I do on a daily basis. And when I talk about injustice, you know, that justice meaning fairness, I look at what I'm doing in terms of clinical research. Although patients of African descent make up 17% of the world's population, less than 3% of black people, including clinical trials, we should change that. So it's down to us as business owners, as members of the community, as parents, to actually do our bit. If every single individual is aware and doing their bit, this subject will actually fizzle out in no time, in my opinion. I think one thing is having a, um, a set of priorities like we talked about in terms of that self-education piece, that self-awareness piece, I think, as well. Um, and um, so, but in terms of when we start looking at actions, um, our listeners, as I said, no matter which sector they come from, and obviously you're speaking it, uh, from a predominantly a business background, um, what can they do to make a positive difference in, in their immediate world? In their immediate world, what sort of things should they be looking at to make a positive difference? So I do love that question. I love it primarily because, you know, you, you tend to have... Um, webinars, seminars, meetings where people are listening. And what I find missing is saying to people what real tangible actions, when you leave here, what's the next step? And for me, it's really about trying to see things through other people's eyes. And we do it every day in business. So the way I would sell something to you, my products to you or my services to you is going to be very different to how I sell to somebody else. And the reason why that difference occurs is because I'm trying to see it through your eyes. What signals are you giving me and what's important to you? So I think one thing that we should learn to do every single day is when you're talking to anyone is to try to see things, it's quite hard to do, from their perspective, see it through their eyes. I walked into, I think it was a couple of months ago, there was this UK black business show. I went to this show in London. It was actually incredible. But... I walked into the room and I realized, oh my goodness, this is the first time I've been to an event where everybody around me looks like me. That hit me hard. 
And it suddenly made me realize, oh my goodness, you know, and I was really proud of that moment, but I felt there's this level of comfort because everybody around me was going through similar things like I was, was feeling things like I was. Now I go to another show and it's um, predominantly white. I don't feel out of place, but it's just not something that I've, that has hit me like it has before. Um, I think it's seeing the, this pain, Let, let's not hide it under the table or brush under the carpet. Racial injustice is there. Every day when I walk out my door, I can tell you at the end of the day what I've experienced because of the color of my skin. It exists. It is out there, whether consciously or unconsciously, it is there. So I think it's about us as human beings actually looking and saying, what is it that you're trying to say? How does this impact you? How do my actions impact you? I think it's really, really simple. It's about being human beings and seeing everybody um, as a person, regardless of what background they come from. And, and, you know, we kind of use a lot of big words and a lot of, you know, models to kind of slice and dice this thing. But fundamentally, on this planet, we are human beings, a human species. Regardless of where we come from, all walks of life, the color of our skin. So why on earth do we think that somebody is less than I am? Why would I think you're less than me? Why? You know, so it's about seeing it through those lenses. You're right. I think the thing that's changed probably in the last two to three decades is that there was that sanctuary in the home that you could uh, have that safe space at home. And then when you do take that step outside, you get yourself prepared for that. And I think even now I'm sitting here with a, a mobile phone in front of me and it's being fed to me. Okay, I can choose what I look at and what I don't look through. Um, the the amount of stuff that I'm getting through my TV and through my laptop, some things I have control over and some things I perhaps don't have as much control over. And sometimes I don't even know what message is being sent to me until I start thinking in a different way. And I suppose that's the challenge that we've got, is that it's so pervasive now. And though th those messages that perhaps you could leave on your doorstep before and choose to engage or not engage with those. That's right. um, now, I think, especially when we talk about, and I'm talking about from an educational point of view, I've got young minds, um, when I was in the school sector, now in the FE sector, we've got a, a bigger range of ages, but still people that are in that learning mode, um, who are like sponges, who will take this information and perhaps don't have the same filters that I may have at the ripe old age that I'm at. Um, and I suppose that's the danger now, isn't it? Is the fact that, those guardrails that we had, which is our front door before, we don't have the same guardrails. They don't exist anymore yeah. because everything is really out there and we're fed with information, as you say, every single day. Um, and that goes back to the accountability that I talked about as, um, you know, as, as people, as business owners, as parents, etc. It's about helping to filter those messages. Um, you actually wonder what's real and what's, what isn't anymore. What, what, what is, you know, you go out there, be it social media. These are amazing innovations that are advancing the world. 
but there is double-edged sword, right? Um, it's about helping, particularly young minds, helping to help them filter through all that mm. and allowing them space to ask questions, to be able to ask. You know, in the last couple of years, when we've been all locked down and everything, and all of a sudden we we became aware of our planet, we became aware of everything, we became planet huggers and community huggers. And the world is now opening up again, and we're kind of slightly losing that a little bit. But what the last couple of years has made us do is become really aware of the issues that we're facing as a whole, not just at an individual level. Mm. And I think we kind of need to maintain that. And educating ourselves and educating other people is helping to show the real world that we live in, not through tinted glasses or tinted lenses that we get on social media. How should we look? How should we act? How should we feel? Computers and technology can do so much, but they should not replace that basic human empathy uh, that human communication, that human touch. And I think that's what we really struggle with. Talk to people. Mm. We no longer have conversations. Mm. You know, my husband is a psychotherapist, and I always say to him, don't you start your how does that make you feel look on me? But I love that because <laughs> I love being asked how things make me feel and how I've gotten through this or what challenges I face. And I think we need to get back to those conversations Talking, and that's why I love podcasts. Mm -hmm. you, can you feel like you're talking to people? You're listening to conversations that people are... Podcasts are amazing. Mm -hmm. Real, genuine, authentic conversations about subjects that, you know, people are really genuinely interested in. So I think that we're thrown... So many things are thrown at us, um, information. But it's also up to us to decipher and say what is real and what is not. Where am I getting pressure from, be it peer pressure or pressure from the community, the society, etc.? Do the right thing. Um, it, it is, people say I make things sound quite simplistic, but I'm, <laughs> I've got a simple mind and a simple brain. It is really, it's a live and let live world. It's doing unto other people what you want done unto you. It's trying to see things from people's perspectives. And it's about laying the foundation for whether it's our staff our children and giving them that space to be free and actually communicate what's wrong. I noticed during Zoom calls at lockdown, a few of my colleagues, one particular meeting where a lady, she was a white lady, she just, I could see how uncomfortable she was. She didn't know what words to use anymore and what to say without offending anyone. For me, that was awareness, but at the same time, it, it felt comfortable because, yes, let's have those difficult conversations Absolutely. and let's not be comfortable. Hmm. Because when you're having uncomfortable conversations, you're moving forward and you're not stagnant. I think you're absolutely right. And, and just picking up on the, on the things you say, and I'm going to take you up on this, um, this, the huge volume of information that surrounds us. And I'm going to allow you to be the filter just for one moment for, for our listeners there. So if, if I think about all the resources, all the books out there, all the films you can watch, all the... Um, webinars you can listen to podcast series you can listen to including this one um, um if you were going to be that filter for that one listener that's now listening to you now thinking okay shalom tell me one thing that you think that i should listen to or watch or read um that will help me on my journey to understand this whole topic area around racial justice and how i fit into that and what i can actually do about it um 
be that filter for that person? So education is power, in my opinion. And there is one thing, in fact, I was talking to my brother the other day and we're talking about black history not being taught in schools. Um, a lot of people talk about it after sort of different uh, Commonwealth countries have been granted their independence and as though that's the starting point. I wouldn't say a specific book or a specific podcast. What I would say is, I love Netflix. I don't know if I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. But there are so many programs out there where you can go and watch. Don't, don't read about it. Just enjoy watching it about black history. And that would actually explain to you the why people feel how they feel. Hmm. And I think that is really, really important because... All around us in the UK specifically, we hear, um, you know, so many programs that you can actually go into the history of Great Britain, the UK, etc. Just take time and just look at, that's what I'm saying, don't spend too much time reading. Just watch a movie that will give you some insight into the why. Because when you understand somebody's why, then you understand their actions Rightfully or wrongly, you know? Um, so just actually, just spend some time looking at a few programs on, you know, search for programs on black history, the history of slave trade. And then you start to understand why sometimes people feel how they feel. And some people say, well, that happened how many hundreds of years ago? Thanks, Shalom. I think you're right. Um, doing something to educate yourself is always going to be better than doing nothing. Um, and I suppose over time you can start finding the things that actually resonate with you more or with the experiences around you, wherever you happen to be. But I'm just going to highlight two, two, two the things that I think were quite seminal for me. Um, one um, is the Small Axe series, which really captured some of the uh, essence of my childhood growing up in the 70s and the echoes of the 60s. Um, and that's by Steve McQueen. And then literally last week, uh, The Swimmers, which is about two Syrian um, uh, girls who travelled from Syria to ended up in Germany and then um, uh, swimming under the refugee Olympic team flag um, in the 2016 Olympics in Rio. So those two things really sort of like recently and in the past have really sort of like helped me rethink about my experiences and um, where we are now. So when we start thinking about, and we're going to start wrapping up in a minute, mm -hmm. Sharon, if that's okay. Um, but I'm just going to take it, we've talked about racial justice. Um, I just want to swing it back around now, flipping it, as, as you quite uh, beautifully said at the beginning, you kept flipping it the other way. If we start thinking about racial injustice... Um, and I think sometimes when we focus on the injustice, it really helps people to understand the impact of their action or their inaction. So what would you want our listeners to know about racial injustice from your experience that you think would really help them shape what they do next? And their, I suppose so that they can start making a difference in the environments that they're working in or learning in. So I think I found the I can remember the. Um series I found on Netflix is Journey of an African Colony that traces sort of Nigeria to the path of independence and it was very special to me and I got also educated with it because there's so many things I even I didn't know um, so I think it does answer your question in terms of understanding people's whys I think when you understand somebody's why 
Why have they reacted the way they have? Why have they said what they said? Why have they taken this stance? Then you'll have multiple aha moments in terms of understanding. It's all about a balance, isn't it, really? Um, We have laws in different countries. And the reason why we have laws is to make sure that there is a balance. And for me, there's also human and individual laws. I go back to what I said in the beginning, treating people how you would want to be treated. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do because typically we're quite selfish and think about self. And it's quite hard to think about beyond your family and into community, but we have to push ourselves to do that. And for me, it's really about, if you're not gonna take anything away today from me, it's just saying, why? Asking why? Why is Af saying this? Why are people doing this? And trying to see it through people's eyes. Because nine times out of ten, you'll understand. And it will change your reaction. It will change your perception. And it will give you a level of understanding. And that is a great way of chipping away at racial injustice. Thank you. I think that, that's a perfect way to, to end this episode. Um, Shannon, the the aspect of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and adding the education piece that we mentioned earlier on in terms of that self-awareness and that understanding about the issues and that personal responsibility that people need to start taking. I suppose when we put all of that together, I, you know, it's very difficult then to not, one, see injustice from a a racial point of view, but also I think then it becomes really difficult because I still believe that majority of people are good people. Oh, I agree. Um, And I think sometimes circumstance and pressures and priorities sometimes drive us in a different direction. Again, it's the why, isn't it? It's the why. And and I think going back to that and those aha moments, like you're saying, um, is getting people to that point. It, it um, is. And, and it's and a journey, isn't it? It is a journey. And for mm. me, nothing is impossible. Mm. For people who know me, uh, I'm a dog with a bone. Nothing is impossible. Start by doing what is necessary. Mm. And then do what is possible. Mm. Before you know it, you've conquered the impossible. It's not impossible for us to have a world where racial injustice is a thing of the past. I strongly believe that. I have literally nothing to add to that, Shalom. Absolutely nothing. That was brilliantly said. Um, So I want to thank you uh, for the time that you've given us today and your brilliant insights. And and again, honesty as always. I think that's that's where our relationship is built on on that honesty and that... um, the safe space, I think, that uh, that we, we tend to create to have these conversations. So thank you, Shalom. No, thank you. And I want to say thank you because it's, you know, having the space to have these conversations, these kind of discussions is really, really important. And having a diverse group of voices speaking their own truth and people taking out of it what they will and what means a lot to them. People will take out nuggets from every single piece of information you put out there. So thank you for this. No, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Effie Voices. Please do share, like and add your comments to the platform you heard this podcast on. It will help others like you find this and benefit from these discussions. 
don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the new episodes coming soon. And if you want to find us on social media, please search for hashtag FE Voices or you can visit our website, which is www.mkcollege.ac.uk. You'll also find us on Twitter at MK College.